0: Welcome to the a Low-Carb Ancestral Living Podcast. I'm your host, Pim Johnson, and each week I'm bringing you new guests who will share their opinions and expertise on different topics related to health and well-being. Enjoy! Hi, and welcome to the Alcal Low-Carb Ancestral Living Health Show with Pim Johnson. Today's guest is a very interesting person. So He is a hypnotherapist a hypnotist or a hypnotherapist teacher I think you said and a mind no, coach I
1: teach
0: yeah and he helps people recover from addictions eating disorders PTSD anxiety you name it things that no one else wants to deal with he can do it and he's here today to tell us a little bit about what hypnosis is and how he's using it to help people as Britain's fastest hypnotist so welcome to the show Tim for
1: Hi, Pam. Uh, it's nice to be invited.
0: Awesome. That's so great to have you here. Um, I don't know anything about <laughs> hypnosis, to be honest. So I'm just going to let you take the floor and talk about it. But if you can just start telling us a little bit about yourself and how you got into hypnosis and why you decided to be a hypnotist, of all things.
1: Okay. All right. Well, uh, I was just like you a long time ago, I didn't yeah. know anything about hypnosis either. And I thought that it was all pretty weird and very strange. Um, and yeah, I, I just, uh, the, the reason I got involved with it was um, it was not intentional, it wasn't planned. Um, my wife was very, very seriously ill about 20 years ago. Um, I, I, this was because of a genetic disorder that she had. Um, she got to a point where she was struggling to eat, she was struggling to drink, and she'd got very emaciated. And she was told that she needed a liver transplant. Um, the problem was that because she couldn't eat or drink and keep it down, she was really struggling to, to get any food or nutrition into her body. She wasn't conf- considered fit enough to have one because they don't, you know, it's hard to get organs. So they only give them to people if they think that there's a chance of them actually surviving the operation and uh, being successful. Um, so they, essentially what happened was they sent her home to die. Uh, and uh, my wife was only about thirty at the time um, we hadn 't been married for oh uh, we 've been married yeah we, we hadn 't been married very long, um, and obviously that was pretty grim. Um, so what we thought was, well this is all but the, the, the sort of serious decline in her condition had been preceded by a, a very, very stressful period of time at work, and uh, we thought, well you know maybe the opposite of that would help. Uh, but also I remembered reading a book um, as a teenager about hypnosis and about it being useful for certain physical conditions. And we thought, well, you know, stress, relaxation, you know, is the, we had no other options. It was not – it wasn't – that the doctors weren't offering anything apart from a transplant that they couldn't do. Um, so, yeah, out of desperation, really, we started phoning around hypnotherapists and explaining the situation and, and, and saying – you know, do you want to take her on? And the answer was almost universally no. It, the uh, occasionally we'd come up with one that said, "Oh yeah, bring her along. I'll have a crack at it." But it was obvious that there would be no point, and uh, you know, that they just weren't radiating any kind of vibe that resonated with us. That's for sure. Um, so in the end, because I was working as a computer analyst and programmer, I decided that I would pop to the library. Um, I, I got uh, whatever books they had on hypnosis, which wasn't very many. Um, I sort of cobbled together some recordings um with suggestions about being able to ink, uh, to drink and eat and keep it down, successful like that. Um, and she set to work listening to those while I was going to and from work. And amazingly, within about two weeks of us doing that, um, she started to eat and drink more or less normally. And 13 months later, she was able to have what turned out to be the first of three transplants. Um cool so um, she's actually very unusual she's been terminally ill three times survived three times um but because of this i uh, you know i suddenly thought you know what there's something in this maybe i should study it a bit more so i i, I then decided i was going to pay do a proper hypnotherapy training course um which I did, uh, did very well with that. And then I was going through a bit of a lousy time at work. I was looking after my wife. I also was also looking, I found myself looking after my mom as well after my dad died. Um, she had an accident, a power chair managed to paralyze herself from the chest. Well, she was paralyzed from the chest down. Um, and I, I, I got to a point where I was doing so many hospital visits and so forth and, and caring for, more than one person. It was really difficult to hold down a normal everyday job, and I was getting really cheesed off with it anyway because of certain things that were going on. So one day I went into work. Um, something landed on my desk, and I just went, "Oh, I've had enough of this." Um, so I instantly typed out a resignation. Didn't consult my wife about it, and uh, and then I came home and said, "Right, I've resigned." And she said, "Well, wh- what are you going to do?" I said, "Oh, I'll be a hypnotherapist." So that was how I got into it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I like it uh, sounds a little bit like me I can be very impulsive sometimes okay so congratulations on managing to get your life your life your wife to survive three terminal illnesses
1: that's well yeah it's been something a combination of different things Pim. yeah it's yeah. been partly ma- the thing is it, you know it, it's um it's partly about great doctors and great surgeons, yeah. you know, and, and brilliant care um, with the hospitals. Um, but it's also about mindset. Survival is a lot about mindset. yeah. And yeah, if you get your mindset right, um, what you can do is obviously very different from if your mindset is wrong. Yeah. Um, and so the, the hypnosis, studying hypnosis was very, very useful in that regard. And we've used it for all sorts of different things. It's, it is without doubt the most useful thing i have ever learned
0: okay that's awesome so can you describe to me and my audience a little bit about what hypnosis is and how it actually works because to me it sounds okay. like magic
1: <laughs> yeah well, sort of i mean it could seem like magic as well yeah. um the, put very simply um in order to make in order to to function in what is a complicated world and it seems we get more complicated by the day mm-hmm. um you've got to be able to make sense of it and uh so basically what you end up doing is modeling reality in your own mind you know we have um, you, um the, the people in your life they're complex and subtle and so forth but uh, the way we model them might not be it's like you know that man across the road i don't like him he's not very pleasant yeah um you know it, it, but the, the woman who's living with him might think he's absolutely marvelous um so we model reality in different ways and we and but the way we model reality is a consequence of the experiences that we have but also of the things that we hear the things that we are told the things we read and the things we tell ourselves and four of those things are all about language. So language is absolutely fundamental to the way people model reality itself. And if you, you, once you get to learn how to use language properly, which obviously is key to hypnosis, then you can change the way somebody models reality. So whether they're a good person, whether they're a bad person, whether they need to be afraid of something, something or whether they shouldn't be, um, you know what their capabilities are. Although all all sorts of things you can change by the strategic application of language, because that's how it's through language that most of your beliefs and my beliefs arrived in the first place. And it doesn't matter how well educated somebody is or how intellectual they may be. In fact, the more educated somebody is, the uh, the narrower their worldview tends to become. So if somebody explores cosmology as a career you know they they see reality in a very very special and 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 different way from everybody else because they've read all sorts of other pieces of uh, you know theories and uh, papers and so forth from other people who are studying exactly the same thing it's all suggestion um and when you think about it um you know if i were to say to you what is a black hole you'd probably say well sort of like a hole in space isn't it um but what is that you know most people believe that black holes exist yep. but how many of us have actually seen one i you know <laughs> if we had a show of hands it would be none um and when you think about it the fact that you can have space which is nothing and then you can put a hole in it and everything falls into that hole doesn't make a whole lot of sense if you go out into the garden you could dig a hole in the garden you can't put a hole inside the hole um but people are quite happy to accept this is true because they've been told it is even yeah. though it contradicts every every bit of common sense they've got um the, uh, so you know language is really powerful and hypnosis is about the strategic application of language to to, to accomplish you know whatever one, you whatever you want to accomplish
0: so, so just following up on on language because um I'm from Sweden originally, so sometimes I'm kind of stumbling on my words or it comes out wrong and I hear that it's wrong. But in, when I first moved to, I lived in the UK for 10 years, I felt like a baby, that I couldn't speak proper English. I spoke baby English, as I used to call it. Would that affect my ability to be hypnotized because I don't have the same associations or connection to the English language as a native English speaker would, for example?
1: In in English, probably yes. Okay. Um, although, of course, you can hypnotise children, and their command of language is not the same as adults. Okay. So it sort of depends. It, it would sort of depend upon uh, exactly what one was looking to achieve, I guess. Yeah. Um, but there are also nonverbal ways of doing hypnosis as well, which right. um, typically I don't use um, because they are. Well, they're a bit hit and miss. Um, um, And if you want to change the way somebody's modeling reality in a very specific way, then typically you'd use language to do that. But there are some nonverbal ways to do hypnosis. Uh, Like I say, I just don't use them.
0: Okay, interesting. So where does this, um, where does it come from? I mean, who who discovered hypnosis and how did it happen? Do you know?
1: Okay, Uh, (laughs) well, probably the first one that anybody would be familiar with is Mesma. Mm-hmm. um uh but he didn't call it hypnosis but that was definitely what he was using okay. um he just didn't know what it was um and then following him there were various different people that explored hypnosis um initially the the first real practical application was using um deep states of relaxation to help with things like surgery uh and that was all pre-anesthetics and so forth if you think back to like 200 years ago when if somebody had their they were badly injured and they needed a leg amputating or something it was case of bite down on this and you know try not to die um that that was where hypnosis was really first used um but it was used quite extensively after the first world war um lots of people came home with shells, what was called shell shock at the time but now would be called post traumatic stress disorder mm-hmm. um it, and hypnosis was quite a quite a popular treatment for uh, shell shock after the first world war it wasn't really until you got into the like the 1940s and 50s that that the use of hypnosis then fell away um uh because more and more uh You know, we've been relying upon various different kinds of pharmaceuticals, Um, and yeah, so it actually has quite a long and fascinating history.
0: So, would I mean, this sounds maybe a bit hard to do and labour-intensive, but would it be useful? Do you think for people that cannot get, uh, let's say, people who are scared of the dentist to be hypnotized while they're there or before they go to a dentist, for example, is that something that is doable? Because when you're there, it's obviously uncomfortable. So that's going to yeah, reinforce the feeling <laughs> about, Oh, I don't want to be here.
1: Yeah, Could it's it be definitely used- doable. Um, yeah, I mean, you can use hypnosis for pain control anyway. So, um, okay. and that was actually how our daughter was born. Uh, my wife had a cesarean section. And we used hypnosis for pain control because the epidural went, uh, it just didn't work. And nobody noticed until they started opening her up.
0: Okay.
1: Fortunately, I happened to be there. And fortunately, I, it was at that time, I'd actually studied hypnosis. So I knew what to do um, because that saved, uh, saved my wife from having to go through a general anesthetic with a premature baby. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: but as far as, uh, as far as dentistry goes, um, what, anybody can use suggestion for themselves. Um, yes, there are some very, very powerful sort of fears about needles and dentistry and all sorts of things. We can talk about something that somebody can do for that. But, um, even without, uh, using any sort of outside resource, whether it be audios or hypnotherapists or whatever, if somebody is in a dental chair and they simply follow the following procedure, um, they will notice a difference, which is just to close your eyes and re- and and repeat whatever the dentist does relaxes me more everything he does relaxes me more or everything she does relaxes me more if you simply repeat that suggestion over and over and over in your mind as a dentist is working it completely changes your experience of it um and uh, that's something that i do if i go to the i mean if i'm having a you know it's quite a long time since i had a feeling touch wood um but um i've had some very very big ones at, at the back and you know it can be quite you know it's not very nice getting them done or if you're having a crown on something like that you know they go all the way down to the gum um it, it, what I, i've had dentists actually poke me to try and you know rouse me because i've i've been so relaxed in the dental chair because, because i've simply been doing that whatever they do relaxes me more everything <laughs> the dentist does relaxes me more and that is a simple thing that anybody can do, and it and it and it helps. Yeah, you know, it, because we are responsive to language.
0: Yeah, that's so cool. Yeah. So, can you describe how you would use hypnosis if you were treating someone for food addiction, for example?
1: Right. Okay. It, that would depend upon yeah. where that food addiction was coming from, and we probably need to sort of back up and talk about the word addiction and anyway, because okay. the, there's the, Let's go there. What most people don't realise is that scientists have been arguing about what addiction even is for the last 100 years. There is no accepted definition among scientists and doctors as to what constitutes addiction. So, you know, in terms of uh, having any kind of standardised treatment, that's one of the reasons why. They haven't agreed what the problem is even. Yes. Um, but, the, uh, but, as, but if it's like a, a compulsion to eat, um, that's coming from somewhere and typically there'll be a reason for it it's probably not related to food at all it's most likely to be related to other things and typically food is used as a means to change emotional state so some people it, it, some people will use food to change emotional state some people will use alcohol to change emotional state some people will use gambling some people use you know it's sex there's all sorts of things that people use in order to change emotional state, so the food you can think of the, the the sort of compulsion to eat is a symptom. That's not the problem. Yeah, the problem is almost always something completely different. Um, so that's where I would look, and I would probably take a potted history of somebody's life and have a look to see where this came from. The other alternative, and this is one of the beauties of hypnosis is that you can hypnotically regress people so you can you can literally say to the subconscious mind take me you know take us back to whatever event or situation first caused this what's got most to do with it and as long as you've got somebody in the in a deep enough hypnotic state and they're responding well a lot of the time you can do that and you can you can go back through somebody's history you can have them re-experience those sort of pivotal events then you can reframe them which means um essentially it's uh it's about uh showing somebody how they can look at it in a different way and so that they no longer have that consequence when that person's brought back into the present um so regression is a really really useful tool and that it's Hypnosis is really the only tool that allows you to do that. You know, it's called revivification. Yeah. And, and people can go back and literally re-experience as though they were there things that happened to them, you know, 40, 50 years before. Um, and many, a great many people can do that. Um, it, it depends on the hypnotherapist. You know, they've got, to be, they've got to be reasonably adept with hypnosis. And they've also got to know what they're doing with regression because it's very easy to get that wrong. Um, but like I say so that's one of the great things about hypnosis you can use it for investigation as well in a way that you can't do with things like counseling or or coaching you know how would you do that um so yeah so so anyway so it's like uh, for in terms of a food addiction um it it typically would be looking at other things
0: yeah because now my brain is like I remember when I was like five or six, I don't really remember my age, but I used to climb up on the chair early in the morning to reach the cookies back in the cupboard where my mom was hiding them from me. I'm thinking, how would I remember anything about what happened? What would trigger that sugar addiction that I clearly had at a very young age that I was always looking for something sweet? Um, But I guess you might be able to dig into that because I've been thinking about that a lot and I cannot go back to a time where i can actually remember such a thing or no, that there I will know. be a specific I, event or whatever
1: yeah i know and you know my uh my sort of conscious memory of my childhood is very limited you know like a lot of people <laughs> um i'm not very good at recalling information that way um but let's say that that's that's one of the beauties of hypnosis um a lot of the time i don't regress people but it is something that i enjoy doing i do less and less of i do less and less regression because i've needed it less over the years um but it is fascinating and it can be really enjoyable and some of the things that happen are really really weird um can you I, give an example yeah well sometimes people will spontaneously regress to things that you just weren't expecting um you know, I've regressed people back to some of the most uh, to, to some of the happiest moments in their lives, and I've had people say, "I'm sitting in a car, and I'm about, you know, I'm four years old. I'm watching the rain dribble down the window, Um, in the sort of like doing this, and they just feel blissfully happy." Um, or sometimes they'll spontaneously go back to what seems like a different life um you know and the and that is surprising now that doesn't happen very often it certainly hasn't happened very often to me it's happened on a couple of occasions where mm-hmm. people have said right okay well you know i'm it's i'm here i'm fighting this battle um and that's a really really interesting phenomenon and the 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 thing with that and certainly what i was taught and i think this is very very good advice is is not to say, well, you know, that can't possibly be the case. If somebody's subconscious believes that that is the origin of what's going on in their current, uh, you know, sort of present experience mm-hmm. is causing the problems, then that's where you deal with it. Yeah, um, It makes no sense to do anything else. No. So, you know, uh, but I have a friend who, who's done a lot of hypnosis. He lives over in Lancaster, and uh, he, d- he did a lot of regression and um, purposefully digging into things like past lives. Now, that's not something I've ever done, um, certainly not deliberately. Um, but we, he had all, uh, there was all sorts of strange things that happened. He's had people talking in uh, – because uh, he used to record them. He had one person start talking back to him in German. Um, and he, he, Because he had it recorded, he took it off to Lancaster University, the German department, and they said, yes, that's German. But it's not modern German. you know. No. So this was old German, uh, and that absolutely blew his mind. Um, so th- there are some very, very strange things that happen. Um, the, one of the weirdest things that happened to me with re- regression is sometimes I'll, I'll, I'll take people back, and again, this is something I'm doing less and less uh, because I work in different ways now, but I remember taking a particular woman back to a time when um her father was having a bit of a go at her and i said right okay now be him and i asked him a question respond i said and out of this this young woman comes what sounds just like a man's voice (laughs) it was (laughs) it was really weird um you know, so it's it can be endlessly fascinating. It's all, it's very often really surprising, um, uh, but it's just incredibly useful as well. You know, so these are some of the some of the more unusual things. But yeah. if you want to solve problems, it, hypnosis is the way to do it for a lot for all sorts of different things.
0: Yeah. So if you were treating my sugar addiction, would you um, sort of make me desire something else more than sugar, for example, or? could you do something like help me not actually liking the sweet taste of food anymore
1: is that something well, that would be that it would probably it certainly wouldn't be the first one yeah. um because uh you know that's what we call symptom substitution and it's typically right. not a great idea yeah okay yeah, because that doesn't under that doesn't address the underlying cause yeah um and if if you if you want to solve something really you need to address the underlying cause because if people just target the the symptoms mm-hmm. the results can be even worse than what that person started off with so for example suppose you've got because like i said i'm working I've, I've okay i remember with i mentioned it or not but i've been working a lot with chronic alcoholism
0: yeah
1: and um that's as a consequence of a, a book that a lady wrote that I'd, I'd worked with about seven years ago now and she's you know, she, she was a, like an end stage alcoholic and I was able to straighten her out. She did a session and I had an office in Durham at the time. Um, and, she, and fortunately for me, she wrote a book about it, um, which was brilliant um, because it meant that I got to see more people who with similar problems, which is, why I'm doing, uh, which is why I've been working on that a lot. Um, but the reason why people are drinking a lot is, you know, complicated. Uh, and mm-hmm. it's it's got very little to do with alcohol. If somebody is is absolutely blotto half the week, there is a reason for it. Um, and what what people sometimes try to do, and many inexperienced hypnotherapists would simply target the alcohol, assuming that they could get a really good hypnotic state. If they then said to that person, "Right, okay, you're not going to drink alcohol," you, the idea would repulse you. All the rest, you know, these kinds of things, mm-hmm. not necessarily sensible. They may prevent that person from turning to alcohol, but they might turn to something far worse instead, yeah you know it might be heroin in, mm-hmm. in in order to deal with whatever was causing them to reach for a bottle of vodka, or they might throw themselves off a bridge because their means of of coping has now been removed mm-hmm. so um yeah, so it's ne- I would never ever. Um, go down the sort of substitution route.
0: Yep.
1: Um, it's best to go after, to, to try and identify why something is happening in the first place and remove those reasons. Because like I said, we, we all model reality. Yep. And if you, if you model reality one way, then you'll be a chronic alcoholic. If you model reality in a different way, you won't be.
0: So if I if feel lonely... It, and that's my reason for drinking. How would you deal with that if that's the emotion okay, well, that I'm trying to of, get rid of? There
1: are, loads of okay, there are loads of people who choose to live in isolation. Mm. Yeah. So the problem is not loneliness, is it? It can't be. It's, it's the way somebody sees the idea of being on their own. And yeah. some people can be lonely in a city, you know, surrounded by people. Or they might be at a university with, with 3,000 other students and still be lonely. So it is about what's going on in somebody's head. It's the way they're modelling reality. Yeah. Um, so that's what I'm saying. It's 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 the strategic application of language to create a model where that isn't a problem, where that doesn't make sense. Uh, and so and so that's the way to go about solving things. If it, it, you can have two people in exactly the same circumstances, will look at it completely differently. You know, I, I remember. Um, years ago we were flying my wife and I were flying back from America and we were coming into Gatwick airport and it was very very windy and just before we hit the tarmac the plane went up like this I mean it was almost at 45 degrees and the wing must have you know it must have missed the tarmac by about two feet and and there were people screaming like crazy on this airplane and we were laughing about it. (laughs) But the, thing, but the thing was that, you know, we were in exactly the same situation, but we were modeling reality in a different way. Yeah. So if somebody models reality one way, they're going to get one, they're going to react to it in a particular way. If they model it in a different way, they'll react in another way. So it's about identifying what would be a good way to model this. Yeah. Okay. Let's change it from that where you are now to this, because that's a whole lot better. Does
0: that make sense? Yep, absolutely. I work a lot with changing people's, how they think about things and challenge the way they are thinking. And clearly you have a much more efficient process of doing that than a coach has, because that is something that people have to be aware of and they have to think about it for, you know, consciously every time they have this thought that makes them feel bad. I'm asking them to go back. Can you see that in a different way? Is there a different way that you can look at it? Can you make that into something that feels more neutral so it doesn't trigger that emotion, et cetera?
1: Yeah. So you're doing all the same. You're doing very, very similar things. Yeah. But, but, but you're, slower. Doing consci- you're doing it at the conscious level. Yes. So, um, you know, it's not that that doesn't work. It's just, um, you know, because you are doing all the right things. Mm. It's, there is a more efficient way to do it.
0: Yeah. Clearly, uh, I'm, I'm intrigued. So, how does this affect? Last, how long does it affect last for? Is it for a lifetime, or can it wear off after a while?
1: Okay, well, it's a bit like. Uh, well, that's a really, really complicated question to answer.
0: Mm-hmm. I figured. <laughs> if you. Uh...
1: All right. It's not possible, I don't think, to do something and absolutely guarantee that it will last somebody for the rest of their lives. Because you've got no control over what will happen to that person as they go through the rest of their lives. Yeah. Um, And, you know, what was it? 2015, there was all sorts of stuff came out about the earth being flat. right. Mm hmm. And the people have, you know, every day we're exposed to this glow, you know, the globe, seeing pictures from space, all the rest of it. You could have 2015 it's sort of the idea that the Earth was flat exploded all over the Internet and lots of people started looking at it. Some of those people then decided that the Earth was flat. Because they'd looked at they'd watched all sorts of YouTube videos and so forth and, and had certain bits of evidence presented yeah are they then going to spend the rest of their lives believing the same to be the case that and and the answer is who knows yeah. because you don't know what is subsequently going to happen to them what they subsequently might see or experience which might make them change their minds yeah. so the the idea absolutely is to is to create Create a change which is going to be long lasting, and yeah. that's that's what it, you know any good therapist will do. But you've got, but there are certain things that are outside your control. You don't know whether someone's going to, you know, you might straighten out the consequences of being in an, a, a really abusive marriage, mm. and then this person finds themselves in another one ten years later. Yeah. So it, it's it, the answer is yes. As long as it's not acted upon by something which would completely destroy it. Yeah. Okay.
0: <laughs> cool. So why do you think that is that we never hear about eh, hypnosis as a tool to treat all of these things? Because, I mean, you can do it in an hour for, a th- you know, if I came to you and we did a session on my sugar addiction, you do it for an hour and we're done. Why, why isn't anyone talking about this? I mean it's amazing
1: uh because well, I think for all sorts of different reasons, and then hypnotherapists themselves are partly responsible for that yeah okay because they typically don't describe hypnosis in a very very effective way you know they'll say, if you go on most hypnotherapists websites they'll say you know it is a pleasantly relaxed state where you can access your subconscious mind and Bring these extra abilities to the fore, and so forth. Half of it's nonsense, um, you know. So, so that doesn't help. A lot of them aren't very well trained. The hypnotherapy school, you know, I probably get shot for doing saying this, but a lot of the hypnotherapy <laughs> training schools we've got in the UK are terrible, um, and and the the sort of uh, the criteria that are applied in terms of training are not very good. Um, so that is an issue. Um, mm-hmm. You've also got all of the sort of stuff that's been pumped out by Hollywood and so forth, which completely uh, disinforms people about what hypnosis is all about. Yeah. Um, And you've got the pharmaceutical companies desperate to sell you as many pharmaceuticals as possible. Mm -hmm. You know, they're hardly going to endorse something that means you don't need to take your Valium anymore. Um, So I think there's all sorts of different reasons for it. Uh, I, uh, but I think basically it boils down to it's a lack of understanding, but I think a lot of that is down to hypnotherapists not understanding it themselves particularly well, many of them. And yeah. that's not necessarily their fault. You know, they're going to be a consequence of the training that they've had. Um, but that's why I like doing talks like this, because uh, most people don't have a clue about hypnosis and they think it's some weird, mysterious thing. Um but it's not. You can distill it down to something which actually makes a great deal of sense and then you can be strategic with it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think it's all sorts of different things.
0: Interesting. Okay. So, when you're hypnotizing someone, do you, can you do it remotely like we do on Zoom, for example? Or do you need to see people face to face? Is there a difference in the results that you get when, you know, different
1: you ways of connecting? Can't- okay you definitely can do it remotely yeah um the the uh and uh I got really really fed up the other day I was (laughs) I've been working because of the pandemic I've been working in quite a different way um and sometimes a lot of the time I've been doing sort of mind coaching rather than hypnosis because I've been doing it over Skype and so forth now Skype is not again i don't want skype to shoot me for saying this, but Skype's not hundred percent reliable <laughs> and occasionally might get a drop connection and so forth yeah well if you dr- if you drop somebody into a deep state of hypnosis and they're like this you know and then this, this, the connection drops what what do you do about it yeah um, so that 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 is a you know, it's a small problem, but you need to figure out how you're going to deal with that yeah um uh but the other day uh, I, I did a session which was really supposed to be a mind coaching session, and it was obvious because he really, really needed a solution quickly um, that hypnosis was going to be a sensible thing to do, so yeah. I locked his eyes shut, and then I locked his mouth shut, which really surprised him, so he couldn't talk, <laughs> and then I stuck him to the bed he was and then I stuck him to the bed he was sitting on. To illustrate the point, uh, and after that, then I went in with this with therapeutic suggestions. I, I hadn't really intended to do that when I first started that session, because, like I say, you know, this was supposed to be a mind coaching thing. But it was it was just it became really apparent that if I was going to give him a quick result and deliver what he needed, which and the problem was he was having a, a um, he was having a respiratory problem, and I think this was it was. He'd already decided it was psychological, um, but he hadn't, He just couldn't figure out how to solve it. Um, and we, you know, we were talking down the sort of mind coaching route. And then I just said, you know what, why don't we do it this way? Um, so that was why I ended up doing that. But, but a lot of the time, I've been doing mind coaching rather than hypnosis over Skype because there are certain limitations. And when I work in person, sorry, just adjust my posture here. Um, when I work in person, um, I typically I'm quite hands on. So I like lifting people's arms and, you know, doing all these sorts of things. Um, you can't do all that when you're on Skype or Zoom. And so it, it's much more limited in terms of the, the, uh, the mechanisms that are available to a hypnotherapist using that. But yep. again, it's language that really changes things. Uh, and what you can do with language and and words that are being used in very, very precise and particular ways is incredible. Um, so, yeah, you can do it. It's harder. It's a bit like having one hand, you know, tied behind your back. Yeah. Um it, it just makes it tougher.
0: So what's the difference between hypnosis and mind coaching when you do it?
1: Uh Well, mind coaching doesn't involve any hypnosis. Basically, so I'm te- I'm teaching people how to do things in other ways. Mm-hmm. Some people don't want hypnosis, you know, it terrifies them, uh, and uh, you know, n- normally that's not. Normally, those people aren't going to approach somebody like me in the first place. Um, yeah. But it depends how desperate they are, you know. I remember pre-pandemic when I was working at the office. There were occasions I would open the office door and, and people would walk in, and their their <coughs> knees were practically knocking. You know, they were so frightened. <laughs> um so uh, you, you've got to straighten out all of the misconceptions before you start yeah um and, and you know and put somebody at their ease um so yeah you know, some people sh- some people would rather not have hypnosis yep um but the irony is hypnotic principles are at work in their lives all the time and, you yeah. know that, you know what do you think the advertisers are using there's a reason why we've got dancing squirrels on adverts um, it's it's because they're using a hypnotic principle, a particular hypnotic principle.
0: Okay. So when you do mind coaching, are you doing the same thing without putting in them in the deep state of relaxation?
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. If I do mind coaching, then then typically what I'm doing is is teaching them how to do things for themselves. Yeah. Um, and again, there's you know there's there's, uh, there's there are huge advantages in that. Because once somebody knows how to do things for themselves, they shouldn't ever need a therapist. Yeah. I, mean, I don't like the word therapist anyway, but they shouldn't, they shouldn't ever need to see somebody like me again, ever, yeah. which is the ideal. Um, you know, that's, that's always what I want is, is, to, is to get somebody to that point so they never have to spend another penny on therapy.
0: Yeah. So if someone wanted therapy... And how, how, do you, how, how can you tell if a hypnotherapist is a good hypnotherapist or not? What, what, what questions would you ask? Would you ask for um, testimonials? Or how would you go about that to actually find a good practitioner?
1: Well, the best way is by recommendation. So if you know somebody who's been to see a hypnotherapist, if, yes. they, get, you know, if, they, if they come recommended, that's probably a good thing. Yes. Um, the other thing to do is to ask questions like you. Um, if somebody is good at what they do, they're not going to resent the fact that you're asking questions. They yeah. should appreciate it. And they're likely to come back with answers. If they are going no oh, 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 like this all the time, they probably <laughs> don't know what to say. You know, yeah. and that's not a good sign. Um, if somebody doesn't. It, it, there are two kinds of hypnotherapists. There are people who work part time and people who work full time. It could be that somebody who's working full-time um, is working full-time because they are just very, very slow, and people come back time and time and time and time and time again, and, and you know, they try to hang on to them for as long as possible. So sometimes somebody who's working part-time might be, might be a better choice. You know, so some people who do it as a second income. Um, some of those people are very good. Um, so what I wouldn't do is discard, is filter people out on that basis. Don't assume that a doctor or a nurse will be better at hypnosis than a hypnotherapist. Um, there are a lot of people who make that assumption and it's a terrible one yeah. because a doctor is trained to use medicine, not hypnosis. Um, and uh, the, 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 the two models are entirely different for a start. Um, so the thing to do is to ask questions. If on their website they've got a photograph of them with Paul McKenna, that's probably not a good sign because all that somebody has to do is go along, get a photo taken, pay them £20, you can have a picture. Um, if they are saying that they were trained by Paul McKenna again or somebody like that, again, that is probably not a good sign. Um, there's Richard Bandler with NLP, Paul McKenna with Hypnosis, so he's also doing NLP as well. Um, they pack out huge arenas, you know, people paying X many £100 to be there, and then they all go home and say, right, well, I was personally trying buy Paul McKenna on the website. So it's meaningless. Yep. Um, so uh, yeah, that doesn't count for anything. Um, if they're claiming that they've got a particular success rate, uh, that should ring alarm bells as well. There's so Somewhere around here, there's a guy who claims, you know, 99% success for basically everything. Yeah. No one in their right mind would go anywhere near him because... Firstly, to make a claim like that is illegal. Um, We've got something called the Cap Code, which is all about advertising in this country, Um, and it's a breach of the Cap Code. Um, But also, how does he know? You know, and the only way anybody can make a claim like that is if it has been independently verified. Now, some hypnotherapists will do something similar. They'll they'll offer things like smoking cessation. And on their websites, they'll say, you know, hypnosis has been shown to be 87% successful or 90, whatever it is, percent successful uh, with smoking cessation. And the implication is that they can do exactly the same. Um, But but it's quite probable that they can't because they don't know exactly how that study was done. They don't know exactly what techniques were used. They've no clue. And I've spoken to hypnotherapists who are, you know, up, up with sort of 95%, 98% success rate with smoking cessation. And I've spoken to other hypnotherapists, they're getting 10 and 15%. Yeah. So the thing to do is to ask questions and, and just see what comes back. If you, if you have any doubts about somebody, don't go near. Don't touch them with a barge pole because uh, it's not like there's a shortage of hypnotherapists. There are the the you know the world is awash with hypnotherapists,
0: yeah.
1: And it's better to make ten calls and find a good one. And there will be a good one. You know, wherever somebody lives, there will be a good one, not very far away. It's better to do that than to to go with the first one. Now, because they were cheapest, or oh, that's the other thing. Whatever anybody does, don't don't go just based on price. If you go for, this, you know, the, 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 what's to say? You know, be pay peanuts, you get monkeys. It yeah. is true for hypnotherapy, as well as practically everything else.
0: So is, because is, um, I know when you, if you're looking for coaching, you can get a coach for like $20 an hour and then you can get a coach for $1,500 an hour. Is this the same thing with hypnotherapy?
1: Uh, yeah. It is. Yeah, it, it is. And, yeah, you know, if you're going to spend the $1,500, it's probably worth doing your research first.
0: Yes, absolutely. <laughs> okay. So if if someone is thinking about this, oh, maybe uh, maybe I want to get hypnotised and sort this issue out, is this something that they need to think about before booking a session that, you know, something that you need to consider to make a good decision whether to do it or not?
1: Uh, well, nobody should go into anything without thinking about it first, I don't think. Um... A good hypnotherapist is going to ask a lot of questions first before they take anybody on anyway. Yeah. Um, I know I turn about half the people who approach me away for all sorts of different reasons. Um, so, yeah, it's like everything else. You know, if you're going to spend your money, you should think about it. Yeah. Uh, but, but also, it, you, you, you only explore it if it's something you want to do. Yeah. There's no point in, you know, don't use it for things that you don't really want to achieve yeah and th- and that's one of the th- that's one of the reasons why i typically don't do smoking cessation very rarely i will do it um uh, but for the most part i don't because it, a it's boring um <laughs> i you know i did it I, I i did it years ago and i i, I used to do it on a no win no fee basis um uh, but i got really really fed up with it because it was very very samey and I, you know i enjoy doing things that are much more challenging um, but the the thing is, uh, some people, very often people will approach a hypnotherapist to have help with smoking cessation, but they don't really want to stop. If they don't want to stop, then there's no point bothering. bothering. You know, yeah. Just wait until you do want to stop, until you've got a really good reason to do it.
0: And that's very, very interesting, because sometimes I have people that come and ask me about coaching, and we have a discussion, we're talking about it, and it's like, yeah, I mean, I don't want to eat this much of whatever food it is. So either it's just overeating food, or usually it's some sort of carbohydrate processed food that they cannot stop eating. But deep down like you can you can just tell from the way they're expressing themselves that I don't really want to stop this, but I want to eat less of it. And I'm like, that's not yeah. going to work. You yeah, can exactly. still have this food. We can still work with it and have you take control of your prefrontal cortex so that you're in control of what you're doing but it takes a lot of work and it doesn't sound like that person wants to put that work in. So I guess it's even, I mean, from what you're saying, it sounds like it's the same thing, even if you're working with the unconscious mind.
1: Yeah. Well, I work with the subconscious mind. Oh, um, I
0: meant that, not unconscious. Yeah, no, I know. I, know. <laughs> I,
1: yeah, I think, yeah, I, I, to be honest, I think your English is absolutely amazing. It's a downside, but my, I've been studying French for quite a while. And um, my French is not brilliant. Um, you know, I think it's a start. It, it, but Sweden, I gather, is one of these countries where there's tons of English spoken. Yeah. Um, and a lot of Swedes, I think, speak English better than many English people. At least the grammar. Yeah. So the, the, <laughs> yeah so, but anyway, to go back to the unconscious thing. Um, yeah. I, the, the, there's three words that are sort of uh, that are used typically in connection with the human mind. There's the conscious mind, the subconscious mind and the unconscious mind. Yeah, I think it's far more accurate to talk about the subconscious mind. Yeah, um, because you know, if somebody's feeling very fearful of something, but they don't really understand why, and they would rather not, they're not unconscious of it. You know, yeah. they are conscious of it. They've got an awareness of it, but they don't really understand why. So I think it's a much. It, that, that's why I prefer the term subconscious. Yeah. Um, it's a bit like using your Windows computer. You know, how Windows computer is always. You know, there's all sorts of errors pop up. This is why I don't use Windows, by the way. Um, and it's probably not a good advert for Microsoft. But anybody who uses a Windows computer will be familiar with the little grey boxes that crop up. You know, error at the... It's mm-hmm. totally meaningless to most people. Yeah. Um, That's a bit like the subconscious mind. You know, it, it throws these things up at us. And we know it's there, but we just don't know what caused it. Um, So... Yeah, you know, you can think of yourself as being a bit like a computer operator. You know, you interact with your subconscious mind all the time and it will will send information backwards and forwards. You just don't know what's going on in the background.
0: Yeah. Excuse me. Okay. So is there anything else that you want to add that people need to think about if they want, you know, hypnosis or conditions that people might not think that you can be hypnotized for that you think it's important that people do know about?
1: Something that people should know about. If I'm allowed to do a plug, can I do a
0: plug? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Right, yeah, okay. go for it.
1: Orpheus Mind Technologies. Um, Orpheus is a mind technology company that approached me about two years ago um, because they were really interested in some of the things that I was doing. Um, Orpheus are currently collaborating with um, some of the country's top universities like Imperial College, um, Newcastle University. They've got some NHS trials already planned, um, one of which I think is already underway for various different things. Um, Orpheus Mind Technologies have some tools which which are designed to work very, very quickly, very effectively. Um, I, I use those in combination with hypnosis because it just makes it so much easier to achieve results. And, and typically, if I'm coaching people, I'll teach people how to use those tools to accomplish whatever they want to accomplish. So they've got things that, we're, that you can, if you're dealing with stress, um, it's a very, very short process, it takes about 10 minutes, and it's just designed to just obliterate it. If you're dealing with anger or frustration or anxiety or fear, They've got tools, again, designed to just change that radically in a matter of minutes. Um, they've got to, there, was a, there's a, there was a study done on one of the tools. Uh, actually, it was a precursor to one of these tools. Um, the study was done in, uh, by a neuroscience clinic in Mexico um, of an audio intervention. I created it, um, and it was translated into Spanish. It was used by the neuroscientists and they used it on post-traumatic stress disorder. So they, they took a small group of people who all had a clinical diagnosis of post-traumatic stress disorder. They gave them a half-hour self-applied intervention using audio only. And then they monitored those people over a period of time to see what happened with their PTSD. Every single person on the study saw significant progress, significant improvement. After only thirty minutes, a third of the people on the study no longer qualified for PTSD diagnosis at oh. all. Um, and th- so that is to, th- so that was one of the precursors to the tools that Orpheus have got. Orpheus have got tools that are even better than that. Um, and it's cheaper than seeing a hypnotherapist. It's more empowering because you take charge of your own treatment. Essentially, it's straightforward. It's it, it, you know it's a, it's affordable. And it saves people having to come and see someone like me because, you know, hand on heart, yeah, I describe myself as being affordable. But there's a world of difference between paying for something like that and paying to see somebody like me. Yes. Um, so I typically I'll send people there first and say, look, do that. If that doesn't work, fine. You know, let's explore hypnotherapy. But I much prefer people to be able to straighten things out for themselves. It's empowering. Yeah. Um, and they also have something for food compulsions as well. Uh, that is a 22-minute process. Okay, so um, that can be applied to things like sugar addiction. It's commonly used for things like it's designed for things like chocolate, cakes, burgers, pizzas. Well, the usual sorts of the things that we would consider to be junk foods. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So they've got a tool for that. They've got all sorts of other things as well. So it's Orpheus Mind Technologies.
0: Awesome. Okay, so. Britain's fastest hypnotist. How long does the session generally take?
1: It depends what it's for. Um, like I said, you know, there are certain things. Um, if somebody was, if somebody said to me, "Look, well, I've got a spider phobia," something like that, I wouldn't expect the session to take much more than an hour. Mm-hmm. Um, when I'm working in person with something, which at the moment is a bit tricky because of COVID and all the things going on with the pandemic. Yeah. Um, but under normal circumstances, with something like chronic alcohol problem, I usually spending about six, six hours. And at the end of that. And that's in one session. To, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. yeah. And that was I didn't always work that way. I sort of fell into it. Um, so the, the sort of one session hypnotherapy approach. Um, it's open-ended in terms of how long those sessions are. And I've, like I said, I've worked a lot with chronic eating disorders as well, things like anorexia, bulimia nervosa. Some of those sessions, I think the longest one I ever did was about nine hours, which was utterly exhausting. That um, <laughs> yeah, sounds like it. <laughs> the, yeah. Oh, it was. I was absolutely mulled by the time I got to the end of it. But the thing was, um, I, I, as the years passed, I started attracting people from further and further afield. And, if somebody has to travel from one end of the country to the other or they're flying in from Spain or whatever, um, they can't do, you know, one hour this week and an hour next week or whatever. So I ended up just sort of basically sort of putting all of these things together. So if it was, if I figured that there was what would be four one hour sessions, okay, well I'll do it in four, four one hour sessions together. Yeah, um, because it was the only practical way to do it. But then I discovered actually it's a better way to work because if you do it the other way, and it's like two steps forward, they've done the one step back before they come back the week after. Yeah, you know they're already at work trying to undermine whatever good <laughs> good work was done. You know, yeah. maybe not on pur- maybe not yeah, on yeah. purpose, but that's what basically what happens. Um, so uh, I just found it was a better way to work. Awesome. Um, but so so that was how I ended up doing that um and that's one of the reasons why I started looking at how to hypnotize very very quickly and very reliably because if you know you've only got somebody for one session and they've yep. traveled 400 miles to come and see you you can't you haven't got time to spend half an hour trying to get them into hypnosis you need to do it in 2 minutes um uh, so it was all about everything i've done has been about efficiency really um if it wasn't for that i you know i i wouldn't have explored you know how to do things quickly um it would just have been about how to do it obviously i'm interested in in it being effective um but yeah so the falling into this uh, this sort of britain's fastest hypnotist thing i sort of it was an accident It, it was just happened it was a consequence of the things i was doing
0: yeah okay so if someone is interested in working with you, where can they find you? Uh,
1: well, if they just go to any search engine and they type in Britain's fastest hypnotist, they'll find me. Um, cool. It's easier than typing in physically because everybody spells it wrong.
0: Yeah, or pronouncing um, it wrong.
1: <laughs> but seriously, what I th- what I always advise people to do is explore your local hypnotherapists because there's yeah. going to be a good one just down the road, probably. Yeah. Um. You know, and so... Yeah, that would be my advice. Talk to a local one first. If you've tried that and, and you haven't got anywhere, then by all means get in touch with somebody like myself. Um, but for most things, you know, there's going to be someone fifteen miles away who's who's likely to be able to solve it for you. Depends what it is, but but for many things, that's going to be the case.
0: Yeah. Okay, so before we're wrapping it up, is there anything else that you want to add to the conversation?
1: uh no they've been good questions I've enjoyed I've enjoyed it Um, (laughs) yeah I loved it this is why I like doing interviews Pim because especially if I don't know what the questions are going to be yeah um you know and but you've asked brilliant questions so I'm just going to say thank you I think
0: thank you very much so it has been awesome to have you on the show and I mean, thank you so much for your time and your knowledge. And uh, I'm really looking forward to releasing this episode because I, I, I think other people would be interested in it as well. And as you said, most people don't know anything about this. So hopefully spread the, the message a little bit.
1: Yeah, so it's not what people think it is. Can, can, can we, before we finish, I'll just add yep. to that if I may. Absolutely. There's this idea that some people think that they aren't suggestible and that therefore hypnosis wouldn't work for them what they should really do is ask how they ever got through school (laughs) because if you're not suggestible you're never going to pass a single exam you know if you sit in a classroom and somebody's explaining to you how this chemical reaction works or this is what an atom looks like you know that your your experience of reality is that it's solid but in a classroom, children are taught, you know, reality is 99% empty space, or yeah. at least. Um, and, they come out of the, and they come out of those lessons believing it to be the case, with no way of validating it. So everybody is suggestible. Um, it's not a mysterious thing. It's, it, it is very, you know, it is, you can explain it in a scientific way. It's just practical application of things that we already know about the way people process information.
0: There you go. If you've gone to school and had any sort of results from an exam, you can do hypnosis. Absolutely. Perfect. Thank you so much.
1: That's all right. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me, Kim.
0: Thank you. Thanks for listening to the El Cal podcast. If you like the show and you want to support the show, you can do so by sharing it with anyone who you think may benefit from listening to it. Or if you're so inclined, you can make a donation over at PayPal or at Patreon and you will find the links in the description. Have an awesome day.